Food, finance, and politics, and basically whatever I want to talk about. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Wiseology. I'm very excited about this interview today. My good friend, Alexis Guerreros. I'm sure I'm butchering his name, but I am a Jew, not Hispanic, and that's what we're left with. I can't roll my R's. Um, anyway, Alexis is a uh, very popular comedian, and in addition to that, he is a huge American soccer fan. I mean, he's a soccer fan in general, but he focuses on uh, American soccer with his partner Christian, and he has a huge podcast uh, in addition to having a show uh, called Soccer Cooligans, which is on Fubo TV. I'm very excited that he's here. Alexis, thanks for being here and taking the time to speak with me. Hi, geez. First of all, thanks for having me on the show. Um, yeah, uh, the show, the podcast is just called The Cooligans. Everything is called The Cooligans. Um, you know, we're just trying to get that name out there uh, as much as possible. Uh, but yeah, five years ago, uh, a soccer team in New York started called New York City Football Club, NYCFC. And I was a struggling comedian uh, making like no money, like, you know, it was the time where, like, my accountant would look at the paper and just, like, squint a little bit, like, you sure those, those are all the zeros? And I'm like, that's it, baby, you know? Uh, three of them, five if I had a good year, you know? Or four if I had a good year, I mean. Uh, and the team started, I was a huge fan of soccer, and I decided, you know what, I'm going to see how much season tickets are. They were 300 bucks, and I just did, I just did a gig for, like, $3,000, which is the most money I'd ever made at a gig. And I was like, you know what, I could take 10% of this. I have an agent or a manager. I get take 10% of this and put this towards 17 home games. So I called a buddy of mine, Christian Polanco, who's also a comic who loves soccer. And we started going to the games. People said we were funny. I looked at him and I said, yo, maybe we should do like videos and a podcast. And it, it went from there and now it's a TV show. What got me into the sport in general is I grew up in Newark, uh, Newark, New Jersey. And, you know, I grew up with a ton of Puerto Ricans and Dominicans in my neighborhood. But a lot of my friends that lived in Ironbound, which is the uh, Portuguese and Brazilian section with Portuguese and Brazilian, a lot of Jamaicans, Trini, Grenada, just a lot of Caribbeans. And soccer was everyone's life except for me and my Puerto Rican and Dominican friends. So little by little, the world just kind of, we just kind of got enveloped in the world. And then as the World Cup and, and all the, like, it just seemed like such a cool, different sport. And, you know, the Giants were trash. You know, the Yankees were all right. You know what I mean? I really couldn't stand to watch an entire baseball game. So little by little, soccer just became my world. And then FIFA, the video game, blew up. And it was like, you know, me and my friends were like gambling on the, betting each other on the game before you could play like online. It was just, it became like a craze. You know, like in my neighborhood, you were cooler if you drove like a Jetta or a Golf and you had like Sambas as opposed to like, you know, boots, like. Soccer became, like, everything in our neighborhood. So, like, there was just no way I was going to escape it, you know? Well, that's uh, pretty amazing. You know, it's funny. I never got into Sambas, but that's because my parents wouldn't let me wear Adidas. Uh, really more my mom, and she, it was always related to Nazi Germany. I never got that. Oh, I was going to – I immediately knew when you said they were not allowed to wear Adidas. I was like, <laughs> man, that is someone really holding on. Like, only Jaguars? <laughs> the only car you're allowed to drive? <laughs> And in theory, you can't drive it because they were like back in those days, they were always in the shop. Um, exactly. Jaguars and Toyotas are the only cars allowed in your house. Yeah, that's <laughs> tough. I did, we didn't, we, I, you know, I would have never put that two and two together, but I could see why. Like, uh, especially if you pronounce it Adidas, it just sounds like it's filled with hate, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and, and meanwhile, and listen, truth be told, um, 
I'm not so sure, and I don't know the history of Adidas uh, as far as World War II goes. I just knew what my parents told me, and it was really my mom. But like, I do know that like the German, like German auto manufacturers, and this is digressing a little. Those guys wouldn't have ever survived um, economically. They wouldn't be existing today if they didn't have the free labor. So uh, uh, I, I get that. I don't know about the sneaker like market. My mother would hate. I mentioned Volkswagen, yeah. which is the people's car. <laughs> yes. And Adidas, Jesus Christ. Well, just so everyone knows, we were just playing soccer. Nobody was goose-stepping, okay? <laughs> Nork isn't like that. Oh, that's <laughs> funny. Um, so it's very interesting that, that – you grew up in that soccer soccer culture where you look at like kids today. Like I live in Miami and soccer is bananas here, like with youth. Um, and I know it's, it's- You can't escape it because it's like globally so popular that, you know, I feel like social media has just made it where even a kid today who knows, who doesn't know that, you know, Messi plays for Barcelona, but knows who Messi is and associates that jersey and that badge with, with dope, cool hip. Same thing with PSG and Neymar and the Jordan brand. Like uh, the Nigeria kit, that the Nigeria kit that came out in 2018, it became like a, like a streetwear icon. I know people who waited in line for multiple hours to get that jersey and don't know about the, about soccer. It's like, and actually we just interviewed the designer of that jersey, Matt Wolf, who's a great designer. He designed a bunch of great soccer badges too. Um he was like, yeah, no, Nike didn't know. Like, we thought, we knew people would love it, but we didn't know if, they, we think we would think it was like they love it or hate it. We didn't think it would be this thing that became a global icon. Like, the world of soccer now, because of social media, has expanded to the point where even if you don't know anything about the sport, you know what's cool in it. Yeah, I, I'm one of the guys that probably doesn't know what's cool in it, although I do like the pink that the Inner Miami Club um, flashes. Um I mean, it's pretty, that's really cool. I mean, I you know, I don't see myself running around and what are they, the Seattle Sounders? Um, I, I don't see myself. Yeah, the green kids. Yeah, I don't. I don't see myself running around and stuff like that. But um, or the or the inner Miami stuff. But um, the international, I, I I find it fun, like in the international world, that there are all these jerseys. I have no idea what they are. I mean, other than the big ones like Real Madrid and and like Juventus, I recognize. Uh, I'm not a fan of either. It's whatever. I just know them. Or Man U. Um, it's just really cool to see all the colors and the different patterns. It actually reminds me of cycling, just the, the colors in the, in the, oh, in the it's very. It's actually very linked to cycling, believe it or not. Um, a lot of the designers that design the jerseys also, they draw a lot of uh, inspiration from the cycling world, which is, you know, no different than, you know, NASCAR. I think, you know, also kind of has a similar appeal for people who, uh, maybe aren't into soccer at all. It's like, you know, you in order to stand out in that sport, you have to be a little, you know, garish for the lack of a better word, or a little gaudy, you know what I mean, and have a lot of sponsors. And, you know, you mentioned Seattle Sanders. They were the first American team that I remember to have a sponsor, and it was uh, Xbox. Xbox 360 was on the front of their jersey. And MLS at the time wasn't making a lot of money, but Seattle Sanders consistently had 40,000 fans at the stadium. And it seemed like, Oh my God, we're actually, we might, we might make it in this sport. We might be a good fan base. And I remember, uh, talking to someone from Seattle and I was like, are you a Sounders fan? And he goes, Oh, you mean the Xbox 360s? <laughs> he thought that was the, he thought soccer was doing so bad that they were selling the naming rights to the teams, to, to video game systems. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, a little uneducated, but yeah, it's very funny. 
Yeah, um, <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> um, now, let, let me, let, I want to segue into, you have a show, you and your partner, uh, Christian, I believe, right? Christian? Um, you guys have a show on Fubo TV. Um, now, full disclosure to the audience, I am long Fubo TV, the stock. And that actually kind of inspired me to, to reach out to Alexis because I wanted to learn more about the stock. And we got to talking. Um, tell us what it's like working for this alternative media vertical. In, in you know, it's like uh, pay for what you watch. And it's a streaming service, and it doesn't come through the traditional pipes. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, for, for the lack of, it's hard to explain because sometimes people ask me what it is, and I basically say it's like an, it's like a, it's a cable, it's a cable service because you do get your local channels and you get all the news channels, you get everything else you want. It's a cable service provided to you basically on an app, or smart TVs have access to it, and Apple TVs and Roku's and things like that. So all your connected devices. So the cool thing is, like, if I'm watching a soccer game, first of all, you can pull up four soccer games at once or whatever, four different channels at once on your screen, which is incredible. Um, you look like a security guard, or at least you do when I do have my body. Everyone else looks like a hacker. I look like I manage, you know, a property, a mall of some sort. Um, I, uh, if my wife decides she wants to watch something else, she can pull it up on her phone, or she could say, yo, let me get the TV, and I'll get up and I'll go watch Fubo, on my from my account on whatever the computer my laptop my ipad my phone whatever it is so we were users of it it started out as a as a way of getting like pretty much all the soccer games around the world and not having to stream them illegally so we as a podcast had picked up the service we subscribed to the service so we could watch all the soccer games and be able to talk about them and really we're comedians so we don't talk about the x's and o's but what we do talk about is some of the silly stuff that happened what players are posting on their instagram stuff like that but you do got to watch the games so you're you know at least in tune to what's happening in the sport um so we subscribed to the service and then we got a, an offer from it which was insane we got a, an offer to turn it into a television show um they started their own network called football sports network which is also streamed on a bunch of different services. I think it's also on Charter, I think Cable, if I'm not mistaken, on the, as part of their cable service as well. But anyone can get it for free on footballsportsnetwork.com. And it's an original programming network all based around sports. So Gilbert Arenas, who used to play for the uh, Washington Wizards, has a, has a show on there. Uh, Julie Stewart-Banks, who a lot of people may remember from NHL or NFL or even MLS. Uh, Sideline Reporting, uh, she has a show on there. We have a show on there. And look, you know, I, at first we weren't even sure we were going to do it. And it took like six months to negotiate the deal because the guy who started our, the guy who found us and produces the show is the same guy who produced uh, originally the Howard Stern television show. So we had so many questions about how do you take something? Because basically what they wanted to do is the same thing. There's no, you know, radio shows aren't the thing anymore. Now it's podcast. So instead of filming a radio show, they're filming a podcast. So who owns the audio? You know, we own the audio and they own the video. Like there was a whole back and forth. And at one point I wasn't, we thought maybe we wouldn't do it. And another comic pulled me aside and said, how's that going? And I kind of explained to him that we're not really sure. It's like, you know, we're kind of at a stalemate. And he basically said like, hey, you know, 99.9% .9 of podcasts don't become television shows. And you guys have the opportunity to be in that 0.01%. He's like, if I were you, I'd take it. And I, that kind of stuck with me. And uh, we just we just hit a little over a year now, and we've been renewed for another year, so it's really exciting. And, uh, yeah, it's just one of the, one of the 
greatest things that's happened to me in my career is taking this dumb, silly podcast about soccer that people told me, don't do it, you won't make any money on soccer and stuff. You know, my wife is like, first you're a comedian, you don't make any money. Now you want to do a podcast about soccer? Like, what are you going to do, <laughs> open a blockbuster next? You're going to become a blacksmith? What are you going to, at what point are you going to start to make money? You know, so it was kind of cool to be able to come home and say, hey, we just signed a TV deal. Like, we turned something improbable into something profitable, you know, and and as a comedian, the word profit doesn't ever really show up until 15 years in the game. And now we're 10, 11 years in. And, you know, it's cool. Like, we walk into a comedy club when we used to be able to do that before COVID. And uh, people are like, oh, yo, how's the TV show going? Like, it's a different vibe, you know? That's great. Um, I mean, it's really – it's. and I've, I've listened. I'm not a huge soccer fan or a football fan. I know you guys refer to it as soccer, I believe. But um, I'm not – I'm not a I'm not a big fan. I, mean, I like it. I, you know, my my oldest son loves it. I mean, loves it, and is obsessed with uh, FIFA on PlayStation. Um, I just think it's it's pretty phenomenal its growth here in the United within the United States in terms of the professional popularity. Not so much the youth popularity, but the professional popularity is really pretty impressive. Considering we have so many choices here in the states for professional sports. Um, Anyway, I wanted I, I'd like, if it's okay with you, um, I'd like to talk about your comedy. Um, yeah, please do. And <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> I'm, a, I, I'm a hilarious comedian. Next question. Uh, <laughs> um, I I I saw you and Christian perform at I guess uh, the tourist bar slash restaurant in Coconut Grove in Miami. You you and um, Christian came into the restaurant that I used to own. We we all we all had some pizza. Then we went down and watched watched you guys perform, which to me was like enjoyable on a personal level because I got to see one of my friends um, perform comedy. But you were actually funny at the same time, and I really you know yeah that's you know it's so funny when we hear that from people like you know every comedian tells you know people like oh when's your next show and you're like in our heads we're like you're never fucking coming why am I even gonna tell you. Uh, but we always say like, Hey, like, especially when it's in New York and it's not COVID, I literally performed seven nights a week, two to three shows a night, you know, minimum, like minimum two shows a night, seven nights a week, just constantly on stage. Some better than others, obviously. But you tell people, Oh, Oh, when I'm in town, I want to come see you. I'm like, all right, here's my calendar. Come pick one. You know, you're the free ones. Come to the free ones. So you don't have to spend money if you don't want to. But it's every time someone would actually do it. People would be like, "Hey, you're actually funny." It's like, "What did you think I was up there doing?" You know, <laughs> yeah, like but some, com- but like, some comedians <laughs> suck, right? I mean, some they're not funny. Uh, enough of them that I'm I'm considered a good one. Thank God for that. No, no, you're you're you know, you're, you're extremely funny. You're extremely funny. And I, and by <laughs> the, and look, full disclosure, I had zero level of expectation. I was just excited to hang hang with you, you guys that night. And then when you got up on stage, like you were you were fucking funny. I mean, thank you, man. So, um, and now during COVID, you, you know, we, you've mentioned COVID a couple times. Please tell me what's going on in New York City with comedy clubs. And and I mean, they're closed. You know, it's kind of odd. They're, they're one of the bookers of uh, of three comedy clubs here in New York that are all uh, connected. Um, she basically she was saying that from everything she's heard, and this was in the beginning when things were looking really rough and, you know, not a lot of information was being doled out. Uh, there was a conversation between comedy club owners and, and the mayor's office. And basically they said like, 
you know, we're, we're putting you in the same category as Broadway. So like when Broadway opens, you'll probably open like, you know, cause what is a comedy club? At the end of the day, a comedy club is a bar that's open four hours a night, horrific business plan. Um, really three nights a week, four nights a week, really that they make money. Um, and they're basically bars with a cabaret license, you know, so you can perform. It's like when you really think of it, like it's, you can't even think of it as a small theater because it's not like, even though they're ticketed events, you can kind of walk in and just enjoy the space on, on other times. So it's kind of really difficult where to place them. But in a city like New York, they are a significant part of the, of the you know, the vibe of New York. And, you know, the style of comedy was invented here in New York. So, like, you know, where does the mayor place it as far as a priority? Even as a comic, and, and maybe I'm saying this because I have other forms of income now, um, I don't place it as an extreme priority. To me, it was like, yo, make sure hospital workers are okay, make sure the kids in school are okay, and we'll figure comedy out. Like, you know, comedians, we're performing in parks and stuff. Like, we don't need the actual stages, but the people who own those stages definitely need an income, you know, uh, and we want to support these places because they're, you know, historic and, and, and significant in our lives. So comedy clubs at the moment are not allowed to be open, even though restaurants and bars have limited um, indoor dining and, and drinking, very limited. Um, although bars, I think, still aren't. Um, I think it's just restaurants. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm actually quite comfortable with that in the sense that I think it's, I think what we do, you know, I love, I love to sit here and say it's an art form and I do believe it is. And I do believe that, you know, comedians, we're told we're brave for getting on stage, which I don't always agree with, but I do believe there's a lot of comics that do specifically go out there and say, speak their minds and say what needs to be said and, and what maybe society is afraid to say or speak, you know, whatever truth to power, which I hate that statement, but it's true. You know, it's, it's, I just, I'm not a fan of cliches. Um, so I get that that's, consider brave but I think what's braver is to be to realize like all right maybe if what we did would hurt the people in the audience physically or cause death or maybe cause them to kill their family members then maybe it's not maybe what we're doing isn't that important doesn't need to be done indoors you know let's figure out a way to do it outdoors with heaters and stuff and if we can't then yeah we shelve it for two months you know go write new bits you know yeah and then in two months we all come back out and we got better material you know I don't know what else to tell you no, I, I listen. I hear you. I, I would say uh, just to add on top, uh, you know, just hearing you talk about it, I, I would say that, you know, now more than ever, we probably can use an injection of comedy. Um, and I think that if I think I think an injection of vaccine is probably higher on the priority list. But yeah, I'll yeah, but I can't get vac. I don't. Not everyone has access to vaccine, but everyone has va- access to to comedy. Um, but you're yeah, right. But you're- take it online. You know, I mean. You know, we, we, as comedians, we hate these. We, uh, as we despise when someone says, oh, I'm a comedian, and oh, where, where do you perform? Oh, on, on TikTok, on Instagram. You're not a comedian, fam. A comedian gets on stage by themselves with a microphone. That's it. Improv, not comedians. You're improv actor. You're funny. I'll give you funny, but you're not a comedian. To me, a comedian is a certain thing that's earned, right? That's people who get on stage by themselves with a microphone, and that's it. Sometimes it's a duo. Sometimes it's something else. But you got to get on stage by yourself and that's it uh that you know these people on tiktok and on instagram they're the ones making the money you know like we we can sit here and, and talk about oh we're we're brave because you get on stage or we're in our form or this they're actually making money you know i don't understand it's stupid it's terrible humor but they're actually making tons of money and got uh, sponsorships and endorsements so now maybe we can take these two months and go learn to do what they're doing because if we actually have talent we'll be able to pivot right so uh, but like you said, you were also established within the community 
a lot more so than someone starting out. So, uh, True. and you have it, you know, and you have an alternative um, uh, source of revenue, and not to mention that you have a very successful uh, wife. Um, oh, absolutely. Who, 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 who is like your sugar mom? Comic for ten years. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> I, you know, she's like my, uh, you know, uh, I'm like the drumming in my own family. You know, she's she's the rich white family. I'm the kid from the hood, you know. <laughs> she, and by the way, she's, she never, she didn't come from a rich family. She's just a very hard worker. But to her, to her credit, she was able to sort of, you know, the, the years, I want to say the months, but really the years where I was light, you know, she was able to carry, uh, you know, carry us and, and keep us afloat. And also her being a nurse, you know, I think, just it made things a little bit easier because you know you knew her job wasn't going to go anywhere it wasn't a company that could fail at any moment you know she had a stable job and then thank god after a while things started to work out for me and now i'm able to sort of pick up the slack and, and it's much more even now for sure i can say that and I, and I think that's why i have that perspective i think i can look over and say like i see what my wife went through at that hospital on a day-to-day basis you know i do a lot of material now about what it was like for her coming home us being the epicenter of this horrific pandemic and my friends being like, it's not fair, I can't have brunch. I want to be like, fuck you, and fuck you and your brunch. You know, my <laughs> wife is watching people die every day, and you're worried about pancakes? You know, I want to <laughs> knife you. Um, yeah, no, I get it. So let me let, 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 let me let me segue into some the political angle of this. Plus, you have a different perspective than most because your, your wife is a first responder. Um, uh, do you think that the mayor and the governor of New York have handled this the way they view they've handled it? I mean, look, it's hard for me to cast look, a much better job should have been done and could have been done. I, I don't, I don't get where Cuomo gets all this. I think it's just a right wing thing to say like, Oh, look, look at what he did to the nursing homes. And, and maybe there was something better he could have done or smart he could have done. I'm not a, I, I consider myself a pretty intelligent person, but I don't think of myself as a, as a very smart, I'm not a genius by any stretch of the imagination. I don't know that I would have done as good a job as was done. What do you do? And what do you do when you're put in a position where you have eight and a half million people living in a tiny space and all of a sudden, you know, a really horrific day. And we're all taking public transportation. It's not even eight and a half million and we're all in our own cars. You know, we're all on these, like, you know, we're all in tuna cans underneath the ground fighting rats for a seat. And now all of a sudden, if somebody coughs, 10 people die. Like, yeah, we're the city that's going to be affected most by that. Uh, you know, we weren't built to be able to fight this. You know, my friends that lived in Texas, like, I don't know why you guys can't handle it. Because we don't have 17 acres between us and the mailbox, okay? <laughs> uh, you know, we're we're literally, like, if my neighbor farts, I can I know what he ate for dinner the night before, okay? We're, we, live in, we live too close to each other uh, here. So we're going to spread. So I don't know. I don't know what could have been done different. I think the mayor doesn't know what he's doing, and the governor is pretty good. That's my assessment of politics uh, here in New York. I think the Blasio has pissed everyone off, left, right, center, agnostic. You know, there's people, people walk around the city. There's a guy who walks around the city with a cat on his head. That's literally his job. He walks around Bleecker Street with a cat that sits on his head, and he doesn't say anything. He doesn't bark, uh, you know, barking in the sense of like, hey, look at me. Like, he doesn't do any of that. He just walks, and every once in a while, someone says, can I take a picture? And he says, give me a dollar. And they give him a dollar for a photo, and that guy makes a little over $100,000 a year. That's New York City. The guy who has a cat that sits on his head for a job, 
thinks the mayor is doing a bad job. So if you want to know New York City, that's New York City. I, well, and I get that. I just, it's interesting to hear your take, and especially because you're so close to it because of your wife. And she's uber, she's obviously uber close to it. But I, I wonder, I, and I'm curious, and again, I'm not, I, I'm not trying to get into your political ideology. Um, but I'm, I'm curious, uh, other than, than Donald Trump being an over, you know, you know, crossing a line that sometimes we're not all used to or comfortable when someone crosses it. But in comedy, you certainly can appreciate that. You might not appreciate how he crosses the line, but you can appreciate, uh, um, you know, I guess, some of the things that come out of his mouth, whether you believe it or not, or whether it's truth or not. That's another topic. But and we don't have to get into that. But I'm, I'm curious as to why. Go ahead. I'm curious as to why. I mean, as a comedian, why do you think that since there was no playbook written for handling this type of pandemic, right, on a scale of this nature, and, you know, we you, you give Cuomo a pass because no one's perfect, people make mistakes, and when you're dealing with something new, you know, you're kind of going, a lot of the decision-making is fluid and it's spontaneous, and everything's done with, uh, no decisions are made with you know malintent. There's no malice. I mean, why do you think Trump's handling of the of the of the crisis? Um, he doesn't get a pass, um, or he hasn't gotten because a pass. I, and and I Cuomo and does. I, and with me, he won't. And he and with me, he won't. And I think the main reason is, and and this goes for you know, I, look, I'm not a fan of the guy from the get. I think he made us into an international joke, and it, it, I was. I performed through Ireland right at the beginning of his of his and it was like it was painfully evident evident how much of a, of a of an embarrassment he was internationally. Now that said, and I've got no qualms about it, I don't care if you love what I said or hate it. You send send Jason an email um, and he can forward it to me and I'll just laugh at you uh, if you hate what I said. But um, which means well, I think the reason he's not going to get a pass or certainly won't get a pass with me um, and 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 with a lot of comedians he won't because we're probably the ones who talk about it the most. Yeah, like in the, in the most public eye um, and we're not pundits so we're not going to get thrown like oh he's just uh, or she's just a, like we're comedians so we can literally say whatever we want and no one casts that like we're biased we're biased because we're going to tell the joke I think it's the, the situation of, of just constantly downplaying it and pretending like oh it's it's going to go away in April once it gets warm I mean there's there's facts that we're seeing from Europe because they're experiencing it first and then there's there's the shit that this dude said to try to make it act like I know what I'm talking about. I'm, everything's going to be fine. Don't you even worry about it. Downplaying mask wearing when it was obvious that that would help. Uh, you know, forcing states to outbid each other on ventilators. What the fuck kind of, what bizarre are you running? What, what sideshow state farm auction are you running with people's lives? It's like, and I get that. Yeah, we don't have a state-run health system here, and we could sit here and argue all day about whether that's a good idea or bad. I personally am, am for the idea of at least a single-payer option. That's just me personally. I think I've met enough people who are sick, and I think when, even when I was in the corporate world and I was making a ton of money, I always thought, you know, if the people who I hire aren't sick, maybe I won't get sick, you know? But um, <laughs> at the end of the day, I think anyone who says, no, 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 I know people are dying, but look, I'm sorry, you, you're going to have to bid on these ventilators, you know, to take the pandemic playbook that we had and throw it out to do all those things, to me, just show someone who was, like, thinking about themselves personally. And I think that's why I give Cuomo a pass. 
with is- any issue you may have with what happened in the uh, old folks' homes or nursing homes, I don't think any of that was done to protect his legacy or, you know, it wasn't people coming up to him and afraid to tell him the truth because, God forbid, you disagree with the person, he kicks you out or, you know, or fires you. It, to me, like, that's, that's all a symptom of just someone who psychologically is more worried about themselves than they are about the situation. And I think we saw that pretty much all the way through the election. It, it was more about what's about his legacy, what's important about how he looks versus you know, hundreds of thousands of people dying in this country. I mean, just having the rallies, to me, is like, there you go. That's proof that the dude doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. Like, the dude's having rallies in Tulsa, and then people die from it, and everyone acts like nothing has happened. Me, personally, I'm like, this is... And look, every president has been a criminal. I'm not opposed to that, but at least pretend, you know? (laughs) Could you get on fucking TV and pretend you care, (laughs) you know? Like everyone else? Uh, Okay. I mean, listen, I respect your opinion. I don't, you know, I don't... uh, Look, no one's perfect, and he has been his own worst enemy. So I'm with you there. I, you know, I agree with that. I just don't think that. I don't think you know. I don't think Cuomo to this date has apologized for these, the policy of taking the, the positive cases and shipping them to, um, the elderly homes. Uh, he still hasn't admitted that that was a mistake, and. When I don't know if you remember, but when it first got here in Washington, Washington State, all the dying and all the dead initial cases were all out of that that senior living facility in Washington State, and they were the most susceptible. And they learned from then that that was to be avoided. And he and he sent. Yeah, these- I mean, I, I I don't disagree with you. I just to me, it's so funny when someone's a Trump dude, and I'm not saying you are, or you aren't. I don't I don't know your politics, but to me, it's so it's so funny when they're like. You know, you got a guy who's doing something who they here's like uh, someone who's not a Trump person will say to a Trump person, here's 15 things that are either illegal on the verge of being illegal, emoluments, all these things, all these things that are horrific, even just visually horrific. Here's 15 things. And then they'll be like, oh, yeah, but what about this one tiny thing that happened over here? Or what about this one thing over here? It's like none of this is even people make mistakes. Politicians aren't perfect. Politicians are a lot like parents. Eventually you realize these are just people. These are people just like everyone else. The moment I realized, you know, I grew up with a single mother. The moment I realized my mother was just a human being and not like, you know, a a hero that had me. You know what I mean? Like a hero to me, certainly in a sentimental sense, but she's a human being. Like she makes mistakes. She feels feelings the same way everyone else is. The moment you realize that, you realize like, oh, we're all just trying to fucking figure shit out. We're all trying to figure shit out. No one knows what the fuck they're doing. Nobody. I went to college for business. You make me, and I got two business degrees. I got two bachelors in three years while working seven days a week, by the way. So, I, you know, people were like, oh, my God, the kid's a genius. Blah, blah. No, I'm just really good at cheating. You know what I mean? But uh, <laughs> if you put me as a CEO of a business, I would struggle because we're all just making decisions and hoping it's the best. I'm not going to sit here and argue whether Cuomo's a great person or bad. All I know is that he did and he gave, he gave people a little bit of hope during that time. And, and when he would come on TV here in New York, it, it changed the perspective of, of what was happening. It seemed like it was never going to end. It seemed like it was only going to continue to get worse. And some of the truth, honesty, and, and, and some of the, um, just the tone, the tone of, of someone who's like, look, we don't know what the fuck exactly is going on, but we're trying, here's what we're doing, and here's the truth, and we're not going to hide it from you. That was great. And then you put 
you know, you get the orange guy on TV and, and he's like, what are you talking about? It's great. Everything's great. You're like, I can't fucking get this guy. So that's personally, I mean, to me, it's, it's silly to, to, it's apples to oranges to compare Cuomo's one mistake. And really, here's the other thing. Where the fuck are you going to put him? You know what I mean? Like, I, I hate the fact that you're sending him back, but it's like, where are you going to put him? You know, where would you, we have eight and a half, eight and a half million people living in the city that has enough inhabitants for 8.6 no you know what i mean like we're not it's not like we have like these buildings that are empty to put old folks people and then they would have been together anyway you know well so, the, i don't know de blasio the correct answer but certainly that wasn't the right answer well de blasio found uh plenty of high high rise luxury buildings to put the homeless in so uh, uh, which, uh which by the way no one's renting them now everyone's pissed off about this people treat buildings like it's their children. Oh my God! They put them in a in a glass and steel belt. Who gives a shit? No one's living in it now. You know what are you gonna do? Keep them outside? That doesn't make any sense. I hear you. I'm just I'm just saying. You could if you. My, I guess my point was there were plenty of alternatives to. But then they, you would have put them all together in a building anyway. You see, the the point is they would have. And by the way, a lot of the reason those people got sick is because the the people that were helping them were going from person to person. Those situations wouldn't have changed whether they were in a doorman building or in a nursing home, you know? I got you. The only thing you can do is throw them in the river. Who wants to raise your hand if you want to throw these old people in the river? Is the only other option. Um, it's funny. I just did a, I, it, I just did a podcast that came out today called The Nonfiction Purge. And it, 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 it literally, literally um, that could have been an angle, throwing people in the river. Um, maybe. <laughs> you know, I, I, in this city, I guarantee you, someone raised that point at a, at one of those uh, at you know one of these uh, town meetings. Uh, I mean, I don't mean to laugh. I mean, it's it's uh, you know, it's, it, I mean, it's not a funny topic, but the, the, the craziness that goes around. All right, let's move on to a, a more fun topic. I didn't really want to. I, I didn't really want to upset your your um, your your piece. Um, and, and bring oh, good. The, I don't and, care. I, um, I talk about this on stage all the time. So if you guys hate what I said, no, I good. Don't. Follow me on Instagram and tell me how much you hate me. Okay. <laughs> well, so your Instagram, your, for for those of you uh, who are into comedy and you and you like hearing this and more of it, uh, if you'd like to hear more of it, um, it's not Alexis. It's at not Alexis, um, which I think he's getting ready to drop a, a series of comedic clips. Uh, because the clubs aren't well, open. Is that right? Absolutely, baby. Yeah, all right, you great. Gotta, you got to follow if you want to watch it. All right, great. I'm already a follower. Um, and big, big follower. So now um, for the audience, or for the listener, I should say, um, you and I met through the world of pizza, um, which I, I, I know you're a consumer. Are you still involved with pizza tours in any way, shape, or form? Or are you too big for that now? too big for that unfortunately um i enjoyed them uh but right when we got the tv deal we started uh we started filming pretty quickly so i had to i had to like really limit the tours i was doing and then eventually got to the point where i just couldn't do them at all um i also do some voice acting i was on bojack horseman and uh so i just i like there's there's a lot that i was doing and i just didn't have you know the tour, pizza, a tour schedule is very difficult because you have to agree to it weeks in advance because they're selling tickets and it's not like you can just replace them with anybody. You know what I mean? So I told Scott, like, I was getting to the point where I couldn't do them. And I was starting to bail on them. And I didn't want to be that person. And I didn't want to make his job harder. So it was easy for me to just sort of walk away. So him and I are still very close friends. And, 
you know, I started doing some some other tours called Fat Venture that are my own that are non pizza, and I had to stop those too. So I felt bad, but it is what it is, right? Like, it, uh, luckily, it was for a good opportunity. Well, of course. Um, and listen, I'm thankful we got to meet through that when you were still a, a when you were a nobody. Um, you were yeah, exactly. <laughs> you were a pizza guru though, which made you a somebody, but not to your whole audience now. Um, so I, I want to talk about pizza. End of the world. It's been announced. It's happening tomorrow. Where are you going for your last slice of pizza? All right. So the question is, I get one slice? You get one slice. Where are you going? All right. So now here's the argument, right? Do you go to your most nostalgic slice or do you go to the one you think is the best? I guess if I, if I you know, I would love to say something far away. So at least I get a trip out of it. Um, but, you know, I'm in New York. I'm in basically pizza's mecca. Um, so yeah. I'm saying, yeah, I'm probably going to the industry. I'll go to the industry in Williamsburg. Oh, man. This is Massimo just killing it. I, you know, he's, yeah, he, I mean, he's slinging my favorite slice. I don't know if you listened to the podcast, but I did a, I did a podcast on his slice. All on his slice. Right, and it, it deserved. I mean, for everyone who doesn't understand, like, the guy, I don't even know how to explain it, but, like, you know, the first person to run whatever it is. I'm a fat guy, so I'm not going to know the number. Like, a four-minute mile, whatever, like, the big number was, you know, right. and then everyone did it after that. He's that to electric ovens. Like, no one could make a New York slice that qualified as a great slice. It was always like, a, yeah, but if it was in a gas oven, it'd be better. He made it so that it made me think gas ovens were secondary. That's how great his slice is. Wow. Amazing. Okay, now, how about a pie? Same thing or a different spot? Ooh. So if I'm going to, all right, so sometimes people ask me my favorite pizza, and I'm always like, well, what kind, right? There's a lot of places that don't sell slices that only sell full pies. If, if you were to ask me for a full pie, so I would go with places that do not sell slices, so they're only qualified as full pie places, I'd go with Sam's in Brooklyn. And Sam's is a good pie. I know you like it. It's funny because Paulie, Paulie G, he loves the clams there. I mean, he goes bananas. Yeah, the clams are the best clams you'll ever have. Yeah, and I mean, he hasn't, and he hasn't. I think since this this whole thing started, the pandemic, I don't think he's reopened. I don't know. You he would has, know. He, he is. He's only open for pizza, and it's only like three days a week. But he he has taken time in between because I think he's hunting or something. He goes. I think he's gone like upstate to kind of get out of the city a little bit. So right. There's times where he's not open, but he has been open for dinner only and for pickup pizza only. Okay, but no clams. No clams. That's killing me. I love those clams. Um, They're great. Okay. Now, aside from pizza, oh, here's a, here's another good question for you. What is your favorite frozen pizza? If you're planning for the end of the world, and it's coming in a few months where commercial spaces won't exist anymore, which could be happening on Friday uh, if, the, if the cases keep changing, what what frozen pizza are you stocking up on, if at all? I mean, I'm not a frozen pizza person. You know, if it's the end of the world and I just need to survive, I'll probably go with a deep dish just because of the amount of calories in it. Uh, <laughs> even though I'm not a, as big a fan, but uh, if if I had to say like what is what do I think is the best frozen pizza I've ever had, it would be uh, New York style would probably be table table eighty seven. Um, just because it's it's like made in a half full half natural gas oven and then it's 
uh, it's vacuum sealed. So a lot of the air comes out of the crust, but it is what it is. Like, you know, what else can you do? Um, and then uh, Emmett, Emmett's Thin Crust Chicago style pizza from here in New York. Uh, he's now fr- uh, shipping those frozen. So it would be Emmett's or, and or Table 87, one of the two. All right. All right. I wouldn't have pegged you for either of those, but hey, we're all learning here. Um, it's frozen. What am I going to go, Elio's? You know, I got out of North hey, Korea. You, listen, you know? dude, don't act like you've never eaten Elio's, okay? When you, oh. when, you were, when you were running around on the streets with your Sambas, you definitely ate Elio's. We all did. Oh, but if the Sambas had Elio's stains on them, a couple <laughs> of <Totinos, you> know? <laughs> Do you know that Elio's pizza actually, you, if, you, if you do it right, you can actually turn it into a super edible, good-tasting piece of pizza for this frozen same, pizza. This is why you're a Trump guy. You're like, hey, look, if you squint and you don't listen, okay? <laughs> <laughs> He's actually not that bad of a guy. That, that tells me everything I need to know about your taste. And now I'm upset you like my comedy. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Final question. It's your last meal. I'm assuming you want it with your wife. Where are the two of you? What, first of all, what style food would you like it to be? And where would it be? If it's my last meal on earth, it's going to be my wife. Hey, <laughs> um, come on now. Uh, I think if, if it's my last meal on earth and it's with my wife, where are we going to go? What style of food is it going to be? Like, what, what do you guys like? What do you guys really love, or what do you love? I'm assuming you you would love it together. Um, yes. And I know how tight you guys are. And where would it be? And geography, uh, there's no limit be, to geography. It would be at Elena, which is a restaurant in Montreal. Okay. Uh, big shock, they make pizza, and they use all Quebecois products, which is kind of dope. Uh, but we would have everything on the, a little bit of everything on the menu. That would be the meal. It's a combination of, you know, Italian, French, Canadian, uh, it's it's one of these like restaurants where they do things inspired by Italian food, but it's all using local ingredients. I mean, even down to their fresh mozzarella is all from local Quebecois farms. It's absolutely incredible. Great great wine menu. Uh, they're just they're the best, and they're they're partially owned by someone from the Joe Beef world. Right. Uh, they're part of the Joe Beef umbrella, but they're absolutely incredible. And the chefs and the pizza guys are all like they're all our friends and stuff. It's just the best. And at least I get to be in Montreal. Oh, well, there you go. I mean, that's amazing. Well, listen, um, Alexis, thank you so much. Um, and, and continued success with Cooligans on Fubo and off of Fubo as well. Uh, and And with the comedic, uh, the comedic rise, I hope it continues and doesn't stop. Um, and again, uh, check uh, Alexis out at uh, not Alexis, at not Alexis. On Instagram and um, what is it at Soccer Cooligans on Instagram? At Soccer Cooligans uh, on everything Instagram, Twitter doesn't matter. At Soccer Cooligans and you can watch us on Fubo, uh, FuboSportsNetwork.com and on Fubo TV and on your Vizio Smart TV and Samsung Smart TVs all over the place. But Tuesdays and Thursdays at 8 p.m. All right, awesome. Thanks, okay. Alexis. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Jason. A solid Olympic 10. Absolute zero. Weissology. Weissology. Weissology.
Food, finance, and politics, and basically whatever I want to talk about. 